0: Welcome to the Shepherd King podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Welcome to our Shepherd King podcast. It has been a pleasure to talk about God and government with you. In our last two episodes, we defined what a shepherd is according to the scriptures. And we defined as well what a good shepherd is and ought to be. And also we talked about our perfect shepherd, our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And we talked about shepherding principles that can feel very hard to follow and oftentimes uh, overwhelming. Right, Greg? Greg, how can one lead in such a way?
1: Yeah, Leo, it, shepherding's not natural. We, we talked about that a lot last week. Shepherding requires us to be selfless, not selfish. And what we know from the Bible our, our human nature is sinful. Our human nature is pride and selfishness. It's at the root of who our flesh is. But those who are in Christ are born again. Those who are in Christ are a new identity. Those who are in Christ are able to lay down their lives for other people. And I I think about being a shepherd. It requires you to change your value system. What is it that you significantly value? What are you living for? So you, you see in the world around you every day, a mom really takes her identity in being a mother, or a father really takes her identity in being a father. And they're willing to lay aside their lives for their kids. Many parents would die for their children. And to be a shepherd of government is to take an understanding beyond, I'm not a mere politician. I am more than a politician. I am someone who has been assigned to serve the people that are before me, that I look after the needs of not just those who voted for me, but I look after the needs of my city, my state, my nation, whatever it is I've been called to serve. And in that position, much like a mom is going to lay down her life for her kids, I'm going to lay down my life for these people around me. I'm going to serve these citizens, and I'm going to give them everything I have as long as I'm in this post.
0: That's very good, Greg. That's a very different way of thinking about leadership as we we commonly see in the world. Greg, in order to accomplish this type of leadership or this type of shepherding, there has to be a motivation behind it. There has to be something that keeps you going and thinking about a government, government authorities, there has to be something that they need to hold on to in order to be able to do such a thing. Yeah. Would you mind sharing more about that?
1: One of my favorite scriptures to look to in this is in Hebrews 11. And this is really for all people who are in leadership out there. We're talking about government leaders specifically today. But I want to take a look at Hebrews 11, And then I want to look at uh, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be a greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his eyes were looking ahead to his reward." I cannot think of a more sacrificial shepherd outside of Jesus Christ in the Bible than Moses. If Moses lived for thanks and gratitude, they never would have made it out of Egypt, let alone 40 years in the desert. If Moses lived for power and affirmation, he wouldn't have made it out of Egypt. Moses gave up a prized place in Pharaoh's palace when he began to understand his identity as a Hebrew. And he chose to suffer, it says, with the people of God mm. than rather live the short-lived pleasure of sin. And When you think about leadership, when you're getting motivated in other ways, so we, we talked about the hireling, right? That's the politician that, that's largely fueled by people-pleasing. You want to talk about a short-lived pleasure. People please, and they're pleased for a moment, and they're asking for more tomorrow. Think about Moses' life and that. We want bread. Okay, well, the Lord provides bread. We want meat. We have too much bread. We have too much meat. Just constant complaints over and over again to the point where his own sister rebelled against him. Not even his sister remained faithful to him. And you could choose to live for people-pleasing, but what an endless abyss. Or how about power? Power so quickly comes, and it so quickly goes. We see it in nations, how many empires have come and fallen, how many people have reigned and lose their reign, or they die. Our lives are short-lived. Caesar Augustus has not ruled for a very long time. And now Caesar Augustus faces eternity asking, what did you do with what was given to you? You are short-lived a couple decades of ruling. Now in the grand space of eternity, what did you do with those decades? And Moses said, I'm gonna consider the reproach of Christ greater reward mm-hmm. than all these treasures. Because he knew for eternity he could reflect back on his years. And he used him for the kingdom. And that's the reward he wanted. That's the reward where Paul says, I desire to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And if our government leaders today are going to achieve any form of selfless sacrifice, they must be living for tomorrow. Because today can never reward you with what you want. But you look at the grand scheme of eternity, the reward far outweighs anything this world could ever give you.
0: Greg, that's very good. Talking about rewards today, what are some of the temptations or rewards that the world offers to our government leaders?
1: So I think of our legislative process, Leo, Most of our legislators elected two years, if you're in a state senate maybe four or in a U.S. Senate six years, but I mean all of them are small amounts of time. It requires reelection to return and accomplish what you want to accomplish. And if you really want to accomplish something, you need to get into some level of leadership. And leadership requires re-election. Re-election costs money. Re-election comes with a, a political party that you align with, and it is very easy to get s- caught into the political cycle. Um, the system's largely built around it, and the political cycle, in and of itself, isn't wrong, but it is very easy to begin to live for it, where you're serving the cycle more than the cycle serving you. And your life and identity comes around elections. Your life and identity comes around that political party that is assisting you through those elections and your life and identity comes around position to the point where you almost forget what motivated you to go and serve there in the first place. We often begun with good motives. Like if I was just chairman of this committee, Think what I could accomplish for my district. Think what I could accomplish for the people. If I was this leader in this political party, think of what I could accomplish. But as time goes on, you forgot what motivated you, and you begin to live for that position. Whatever it takes, you will do it. And you end up laying down your sacrifice at the altar of reputation and power and people-pleasing rather than the altar to Christ.
0: That's very good. What are some ways, Greg, that pastors can encourage and engage with their governing authorities and be able to bring them back or helping them understand the, the heart of a good shepherd? What are some ways that the church can, can play a part in our government that's a blessing and a serving for our good?
1: Well, we, we are aware that we're in spiritual war. And uh, in that war, is the father of lies. And the number one place the father lies likes to attack is identity. He warps who people think they are, and he warps our value system. He leads us to believe things have higher value and worth in our life-giving. They're, in fact, the opposite. They bring death. And what the church can do... The church can help people properly see who they are in Christ and it can help people see what actually does bring life and what causes death. Our government leaders much like pastors and much like members of the church they need reminded of a true value system that's in Christ. What truly brings life and who are you? Reminding them that God appointed them that it's by God that kings rise and fall. Mm. That they are his ministers. They are there to serve him. That he sees them as shepherds. He sees them as part of his greater purposes. It's not that often we look at elected leaders and we think of God. Um, We often think of cronyism and often just negative contexts. But these are incredible servants for the Lord that can really bless people. And that's the truth we want to speak to them. And who else is going to do it? The church doesn't. Who's going to remind them that there's greater life from Christ than anything the world has to offer, that you are a servant of the Most High God? The church is the only one that can bring that. And that's where the battle's fought. Mm-hmm. You will serve who you think you are. And that is the battle that is worth fighting for.
0: Greg, we are talking about the reward, and now we talked about the role of the church in in our in the halls of government, um, how we can remind our governing authorities of who they are in Christ, about their identity, and also reminding them of re- reminding them of the reward. But there's a passage that we like to share with our governing authorities, that is from 1 Peter 5, where it talks about the chief shepherd, the shepherd that's above all shepherds. I'd love for you to share. What we usually share with our governing authorities here in Iowa.
1: I think sometimes the hardest part of being a shepherd is so much of your work unnoticed. You see anything about like a pastor. So often pastors hear the joke, you only work on Sundays. And you laugh, but it it hurts. It's offensive. It's like, no, the stuff I do on Sunday is the easiest part of the week. That was my job every day. We wouldn't have the turnover of pastors that we have. Actually, the stuff that pastors work on is um, helping people in their messes, getting messy with people, getting into their lives, hearing the burdens, and helping them walk through those burdens. And you think about of a flock, if you have a flock of 150 people, there's a lot of burdens in 150 people. So think about your individual families. They're carrying the loads of dozens of families get to a flock of a couple thousand, now we're just talking to a, a whole new level. And government leaders, it's so similar. They, they do far more than vote on pieces of legislation and sign laws and go to little ribbon cuttings and give speeches. So much of their lives is dealing with the heaviest burdens in community. And that work can seem so unrewarding. It's not gonna get you a bonus any more than the pastor dealing with somebody's mess is gonna give them a bonus. Or the incredible sacrifice that comes to the family where pastor's kids are expected to make no mistake or it's some poor reflection on their parent who's a pastor. Or some uh, government leader's kid, and they make a mistake for some reason, makes them a bad president or governor or legislator. Where the kids are expected to live in perfection Or the spouse who feels like their whole life is under a microscope. Or the constant critiques that are going toward their significant other and the news without assuming the best in them. Or even sometimes a critique going directly to them. And at times the position can seem so thankless and so exhausting. And so many of our good ones quit. In reality, if you're sitting around waiting for the people to thank you, it's not coming. It's just not coming. Congregations will never offer pastors 1% where they deserve in gratitude. And government authorities, not even a fraction of a percent, are going to ever show them any sort of gratitude. And whatever gratitude they get, is because they're the same political party. It's not because of the sacrifice. They may, hey, thanks for fighting for my team, but not at all understanding the long nights and the difficult waits. But there is someone who does see it. There's someone that sees every single sacrifice. Not only does he see every selfish thought that he paid for on the cross, he sees every selfless action, all of them. He sees those long nights. He sees the persecution that you and your family is going through. He sees the weight and the difficulty that you carried. And he says, if you give anyone just one glass of water, I'll reward you tenfold. And 1 Peter 5 ends with, And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. King Jesus will reward people according to what they've done. He sees it, he recognizes it, and he rewards those who serve him. And he is faithful. People will always be fickle and thankless, but Jesus will never be fickle and thankless. And that is the great God that we serve. The one who owes us nothing is willing to give us everything.
0: Thank you very much, Greg. That's very helpful. In order to shepherd in such a way, there has to be a reward that we're looking forward to. And that reward has to be a real reward. It has to be reality. It can be something that we cannot trust on. But thankfully, we can trust our chief shepherd, the one that resurrected from the dead, the one that has proven himself to be our lord and savior and we can look up to him and our governing authorities can look up to him and know that he sees all their work and that it can rely on him not just for example but also for reward for strength so thanks so much for sharing that greg thank you for joining us on our uh, shepherd king podcast and we hope to um, have you join us again the Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com church.